This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your host and your personal astrophysicist. I'm also director of New York City's Hayden Planetarium at the American Museum of Natural History. Tonight, we give you the final episode of Star Talk's eighth season. It's part two of our annual time capsule. Of course, we sent out a survey to you, our fans, and you got back to us with all your favorite episodes, favorite co-hosts and guests over the year. And we used those data to choose which episodes to splice together in the single potpourri of Star Talk's best moments. This week, we focused only on our Cosmic Query episodes. You sent in your queries about the cosmos, and I did my best to answer. On your number one favorite Cosmic Query episode, according to your votes, we took your questions about all things space-time. My comedic co-host was the one and only Godfrey. Check it out. You ready? Yeah, go. This guy, he's an interesting last name. Jeff Sosteresh. Sosterek. It might, because it's like, I think it's Polish. Sosterek. I don't know. He's from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Is there anywhere in the universe where you can find a Usually, zoo- yes. If- <laughs> <laughs> no matter what follows in that question, the answer is probably yes. Okay? Is there, the universe is large, it's old, yep. and stuff happens in the universe. Where you can find a zero state of energy, perhaps where even the cosmic background radiation does not permeate. Man, these questions are something else. Ooh, so that would be, that would be an absolute zero. Um, we, as far as we know, the vacuum of space uh, is a seething... 
ocean of what we call virtual particles that are that are predicted by quantum physics. And quantum physics has been right in every other way it's ever made a prediction. So we have high confidence that what it's saying is true. But as long as you have particles, even in the vacuum, there's gonna be an energy level there and you never actually get to perfect zero energy because of qu the quantum. And so the quantum prevents it. We would need some higher theory of understanding of the universe that might enclose quantum physics Right. That will enable us to get to places that our current understanding does not. But right now, there, there's no way to get to a perfect zero energy. Because every state, even the zero energy state, has a probability of having real energy. Wow. Quantum physics requires it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Nah. Yeah, quantum physics, everything bows to quantum physics. Always. At the end of the day. Well, yeah, invisible it's, math, man. Invis where you get this from? Invisible <laughs> math. There's math that can describe invisible things. That's what I mean. That, but That's the math like, itself is not invisible. I like, I like calling it. are you getting this? It's no, I'm not invisible, man. I'm not accepting Mathematicas de invisible, nothing. I'm not going there. No, you don't like to call it invisible, man? No. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not there. Well, I call it, it's invisible to me because I don't want to see it. Okay, because you look the other way. <laughs> That's why I call it invisible. <laughs> I suck Here's at the fun it. part. Here's the fun part. I suck at we it. We observe weird stuff happening in the lab. Yeah. And for people who hate math, this must freak them out. Oh. So we have scientists of the day saying, hmm. Let's attach math to this to make it easier, <laughs> so we can bring bring some understanding to oh. it. So the mathematics of quantum physics is an extraordinary achievement of the human mind. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, that's another brain that you. That's something I don't have. That no, but maybe you did, and you. It still has to be found. You think that I could bring that out? I can get good at um, quantum physics. I think the mathematics. We can all always get better. No, I think whether or not we can become great at anything. We can always become better at it. You're naturally good at math. I don't think, I think it's a natural knack. It is. There's people I knew in grade school, like some, some guys I knew and girls that would just do, they didn't even study. They didn't even study. I had to use the teacher's example and flip the page over to do a to math. look at the, at the yeah. answer in the back well, of the my book. My friends were just certain guys, they were just naturally good at it. You know that. Come on, you're naturally good at math. I'd, I spent a lot of time at home reading books but on math. But yeah. Does that mean I'm naturally good? Does that mean I'm naturally you, uh, curious and I happen to apply that curiosity to math and, and therefore got higher grades in math than you did? What were you doing when you went home after school? I was confused. <laughs> so I just kept watching cartoons, man. You know what I mean? And there's stuff that you were reading, you were probably reading. I was reading. You were, I was reading theoretical stuff stuff. about mathematics. I was reading math, yeah, I was reading. You naturally have an inclination for that because you were naturally gifted for math. That's I had what it curiosity is. in childhood that, I, that never left me. Guess what I, I watch? I watch that. comedies, man. I so did. I love. I love. You love comedy too. You're a funny guy. But I continued my funniness in that way, comedian. You, funny guy, but astrophysicist, because you're amazing at math and invisible math. Because you see the invisibility of. Okay. Uh, you made your case. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. What's the next question? Yeah. Nicholas Lambert, uh -huh. Facebook. Why is dark matter presumed to exist when modified Newtonian dynamics is able to account for most of the missing mass? Have physicists forgotten the principle of Occam's razor? Occam's razor. Right. So Occam's razor, there was like, I think it was Earl of Occam. Okay. British fellow. Right. I think he was British, who uttered the following words. Multiplicity ought not be posited 
without simplicity. Okay. Which is, what he means is, I think I got that quote right. What he means is, if you have an explanation for something right. that is long and complicated, right. and someone else has a really simple explanation, yeah. the simplest explanation is probably the correct one. Gotcha. That's all. Okay? So, for example, let's take uh, epilepsy. Okay. Before we understood epilepsy, there you are writhing on the ground, and so people had an argument for it. Well, the creator of the universe yep. uh, in the Judeo-Christian tradition has a nemesis called the devil, and that devil has occupied the body of this particular person because of the things this person has done. Right. Okay? Or the brain is misfiring in its neurosynapses. Okay? Right. So this, this is what we're contending with. Right. Right? So there you have it. So uh, in the movie The Exorcist, it's like, this is the 21st century, the 20th century, I think. Um, we got this one. All right. So uh, the, the notion there is there is a modif you, if you modify Newton's equations of gravity, then you don't need to posit dark matter to explain things in the universe. And it would mean that our understanding of gravity was flawed in this way, where when we corrected it, we wouldn't need to invoke this magical, mystical thing called dark matter. And so it turns out you can, can modify Newton's laws of gravity to explain some of the places where dark matter was otherwise invoked. There are other places where it fails completely, and we have no way around that. We don't, with the modifying, you can't modify Newton's gravity in the same way to account for it. And so that's why we all haven't jumped on the bandwagon adding terms to Newton's equations of gravity. That's why. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to keep yeah. going. Okay. I like that one. Go for it. Here we go. Adrian Gray Martson from California. California. We currently can go, we can, wait, I'm sorry, we currently can only go forward in time with regards to black hole trichnology. Given trichnology, trichnology, whoa! whoa. Nice. Given what little we know about dark matter and dark energy being our physics opposite, do you think our future insights and education on all things dark will grant the option to move backwards in time? Ooh, ooh, ooh all things dark. Man, all right. And and black hole <laughs> technology. What is it? Wait, black hole tech. It's black hole trichnology. Trichnology. Okay, Ow. so it turns out. Uh, if you you can warp the fabric of space and time. By the way, I have been told this. I have not double checked the math. Mm -hmm. These are people whose math, in other cases, I trust implicitly. Uh, so that there's a configuration of curved space time, where if you go around a black hole in a particular trajectory and come back around another one, you can actually go back in your own space time, and so effectively go backwards in time. Okay. But it's it's still a little bit mis mysterious to me. Okay, I got people who do this. I'm not the one who does it. Right. Okay. As a colleague of mine, J. Richard Gott the Third, okay. who I actually am co-author on in a book that was just released. Right. Princeton University Press. There it is. <laughs> What's the title? That's <laughs> Welcome to the Universe. Yeah, yeah. An astrophysical tour. How? Just at a local bookstore near you. I'm gonna no, get it. No. So no. So in there, he talks about these solutions to Einstein's equations where you go back in time. But they involve very exotic trajectories. The point is, the bigger point of the, of the question is, we've got dark matter. We don't know anything about it. 
dark energy. We don't know anything about it. And who knows what else we don't know anything about. Right. That's kind of the fun part of not knowing about something, not even knowing that you don't know about something. Right. Okay. So with all of this, could it be that once all of that's figured out, we can have access to the past? I can't rule that out. I will not rule that out. Almost everything we've discovered that came about from profound ignorance yeah. has transformed civilization. Think about the discovery of electricity, Whew. what it has done. Yes. It's the, probably the greatest thing to ever happen it's to civilization. I can't even imagine can't not having Imagine. Lights. I can't even imagine not plugging stuff plugging in. Plugging stuff in, flicking a switch. Flicking a switch. Right. Don't know how it works, don't care, it's here. It's not even, and, it's, and we've made it into something that's not even only about light. Movies and... Movies, just... Everything. Everything. Okay, so this is harnessing something that previously we ran away from or didn't understand. So, so I look forward to a future where dark matter and dark energy come to be understood, but then... That only puts us in a new place to stand, possibly observing new unknowns that today are yet to be dreamt of. Every now and then fan queries are related to a specific topic outside of my expertise. And so I got to call in an expert or two to help delve in a little bit deeper. Such was the case with one of your favorite episodes of the season about higher dimensions. Joining me in studio was mathematician and good friend John Allen Paulos. And via Skype, we had physicist and superhero expert James Kakalios. In the Star Talk co-host seat for the first time was comedian Harrison Greenbaum. Let's take a listen. Bring it on. All right. Bring it on. And we, I got two experts here. I could just like go to the Bahamas right now because we got <laughs> all the expertise you need for higher dimensions. And so much of people's access to higher dimensions and knowledge of higher dimensions comes from superhero movies. So let's see what you got. Yeah. Go so the first question comes from our Patreon. So thank you for Patreons. Okay. For supporting us. Um, and this one is from Orlando, Florida. So he's near a superhero theme park. Uh, mm -hmm. We've <laughs> seen compelling theories that postulate everything from four to 26 dimensions in our physical world. What's so special about the fourth dimension? Is there anything mathematically unique about it compared to what we consider spatial dimensions? Uh, it's physically. Uh... I mean, there are arguments for it. As I said, uh, the second law of thermodynamics suggests that uh, once the early universe cooled a bit, it didn't have enough energy to... Uh, uh, to birth out another to dimension. To birth out another uh, dimension if you wanted the second law to hold. So uh, the fourth uh, is beyond us. But, You're saying uh, we're stuck with four dimensions. We're, we're, we're stuck with uh, three and one, yeah, four dimensions. So, um, I mean, th there are these other... Um, Deficient, for lack of a better term, dimensions. If you believe in in string theory, but uh, uh, you know, okay, that's. I mean, there really, there are lots of theories. I mean, Kant had his uh, own theory, is a, uh, but I don't want to get into Kant. Immanuel Kant. <laughs> Immanuel yeah. Kant. Okay, yeah, but he didn't know anything about cosmology. No. no. Well, well, one thing he did, he, he made a distinction that uh, many people derided between noumena and phenomena. Noumena is the way things are that we'll never know. Phenomena is the way we see things. We are a priori categories. And in a way, I mean, the okay, string, you know, physics, string theory is, physics, is something we'll never know. And the extra dimensions and other universes, we'll just never know. In physics, we don't give a rat's ass about what something is if what it is is not revealed to us through a measurement. Yeah, but... Uh, Would you agree with that? I, I would. Um, yeah. It is kind of disturbing that of all the extra dimensions, none of them are in the time domain. They all right. seem to be it's extra spatial dimensions because 
if they were in the time domain, then maybe we could move back and forth in time the way we move back and forth in space. And in fact, science fiction stories have sometimes suggested that that would be how time travel would occur. That wait, wait, you could, so, like, I, so help me on this. So if we had more than one time dimension accessible to us, does that mm -hmm. mean we can just go off in one time coordinate while freezing our movement in the other time coordinate and do things with our life and then return and then continue? Because that's what I do spatially. Why not? <laughs> I, I, I no. Presumably, that would be in fact the case. That's, That's kind of right. cool. There's, yeah. So that I, I can't remember where it might have been even um, an H.G. Wells story, short story about um, that might be a way of, of achieving time travel. That they discovered uh, that there's other pathways, just so you can get from one point to another taking alternate routes. Alternate you time routes. Do, you could in spatial routes. We do we do it all the time. Right, right. So uh, oh, I see that you could but spatially, you could, you'll, you'll take a shortcut. You'll do it right. You'll you go could backwards take the, to where you once were. You'll exactly. Visit your old haunts. Yeah. It's like right. A time shortcut. Yeah. So yeah. you could have a, a time short you know shortcut. Right. Just, um, that would be interesting. But they never want to add another time dimension to set when they need to add dimensions. They, well, is this any, they, anything different from the wiggly wobbly timey-wimey time of Doctor Who? I think that ultimately the, the reason why there are only extra spatial dimensions is in, in fact just that, to avoid saying, well, they, they kind of postulate time travel is not going to happen, so everything has to stay, all the extra dimensions are spatial. Mm. Well, time travel al always leads to the grandfather paradox. You go back in time right. and mm -hmm. right. your grandfather, right. unless and the, the universe splits there. In one universe, your you know, grandfather... That's, so violent. Say, that's the many worlds. So that's the many worlds. That's right. right. So you can go back in time, but it's an alternate, so you can kill as many grandfathers as you got bullets. Yeah, and existed. Would Trump be president? There's nobody who's <laughs> using their time travel to come back and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, but so I'm working on it. I'm working on it. All you have to do is prevent your grandfather from meeting your grandmother. Yeah. Then you won't be born. <laughs> right. or, or delay when they had sex by 10 minutes. He's this guy uh, with blood on his hands. He's like, you just had to go to the library. Knock a book out of his hand. Oh, my God. <laughs> right, what, let's go to the next question. What all do you right. have? Uh, mm -hmm. This gets us to our next one from Justin Collado in Facebook. How much cannabis do I have to smoke to get to the fourth dimension? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming he's I in Seattle. Experts. <laughs> or Colorado. Or Colorado. Yeah, yeah, we got good places yeah. for that. <laughs> what are you looking at me for? No, no. Okay. <laughs> okay, so John, when you get deep into your math, uh, how much cannabis does, is required to reach different dimensionalities in your analysis? <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, don't know, okay. Okay, uh, so that's an experiment that you could perform. Yeah, well, in my particular case, it would probably be a tiny amount since I, I don't ever engage in such. So I, I think a tiny little bit, and I'd be in the fifth dimension. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Time slows down when I use it, so that's oh, yeah? a way of okay. changing yeah, right, the fourth yeah. dimension. Right. So is that for you? For me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the rest of us are looking at you. My like, friend. <laughs> oh, your the, friend? Yeah, my down friend, for your friend in Colorado. Who smokes? Yeah. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, next one. All right, cool. Uh, mm -hmm. This is from the Star Talk website. Gary F. Anderson, he said, supposedly before the Big Bang, dimensions didn't exist. When the Big Bang manifested itself, dimensionality suddenly came into existence. Did that dimensionality expand at the speed of light, or did it just instantly pop into existence, creating an infinite empty universe? Well, everything we know says that we were endowed by the matter, energy, space, and dimensionality from the 
the the transition from an extremely high temperature universe to one that's much cooler, and we're freezing out these properties as the universe expands and cools. Wow. So, so it so so James, would you, Ed, would you add or subtract anything from that account? Not at all. I'm a humble but lovable solid state experimentalist. So, <laughs> I, no, don't I, blame me for this Big Bang stuff. <laughs> no, 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 but this is not my area uh -huh. of expertise. So I will defer. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I mean, we it's it you get this at different stages of the extremely early universe, and so uh, we're stuck with the universe we have. Get over it. <laughs> Next question. That's fair. Got time uh, for one more before we take a break. Go. Yeah. Green Meteor from Instagram said, "Is death the fourth dimension?" Ooh. Uh, Ooh. Sounds seem like more than zero dimension. <laughs> you, you, you just disappear. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Death is the zero yeah. dimension. I'm going with that. You're going with that. We got three. It we works got, for me. Three and oh here. We're going <laughs> with it. Okay, so we got another one. Bring sure. Another one. Richard Adams on Facebook says, do accounts of powerful deities make more sense when you consider higher dimensions? Ooh. Well, you know, when you think about like the, the, the flatland example, that if we lived in a flat dimension, uh, a three-dimensional uh, person who could put things in and out of our flat dimension would seem, you know, extra physical, you know, would seem uh, beyond our realm or our understanding. And isn't that so, what Thor is to Earth? Thor exists in higher dimensions. They have access to space-time yeah. dimensions that we don't. Isn't that correct? Presumably, I mean, <laughs> well, you're my comic book guy. Don't tell me well, presumably. I mean, but, but well, they've they've gone back and forth on that of saying, oh, it's magic, or saying that there's a scientific. Okay. It's just like hyper science, or back to it's magic. So, um, but, but, but I think the takeaway here is that it's clear that if you live in a higher dimension, relative to some community of beings. You are all powerful and all knowing in ways they will never understand or imagine. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. So I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I think the the answer is basically yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's indistinguishable from what a high and deeply religious people will say God is is a is knows all and and is all powerful. They they, they will describe powers ascribe powers to God that. Any of us would give to a four to a higher dimensional being, if they. Right. Yeah, I think that would be a trivial. And they uh, could have a hierarchy of gods too: the fourth dimension, the fifth dimension, sixth dimension. Yeah, yeah. So I just need to find a flatland and be God. <laughs> That's what you. Is that your first thought? Is that is that is that what you really? Yes, the cult of Harrison. There'll be a bunch of flatlanders. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.
Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, remember when we did that show about the science of the golf swing? Well, let's take that to the next level. And that's because PXG has developed the Black Ops driver so golfers don't have to sacrifice distance for forgiveness. And the science proves it. PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Ops drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. Now that's ridiculously high. The higher the MOI, the more forgiving the club will play. So you don't have to square the ball perfectly for it to go straight and get distance. Add PXG's new advanced material face technology and you get incredible ball speed that pushes the distance to the absolute limits. More forgiveness, more distance, no sacrifices. PXG Black Ops Driver. Hit your tee shot straighter and farther. The proof is in the science. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment. Go to pxg.com slash startalk and use code startalk at checkout. That's pxg.com slash startalk. Use code startalk for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com slash startalk. Code startalk. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and we're in the middle of our final episode of the eighth season. This is a special time capsule edition. We've reached back into the archive of season eight. Yeah, we've been doing this for eight seasons and extracted some of your best loved moments, according to your votes. Your number one favorite comedic co-host this season? Chuck Nice returns to serve up your smorgasbord of questions in the Galactic Gumbo edition of Cosmic Queries. Check it out. Uh, Melissa wants to know this. Coming to us from Chino Valley, Arizona. Hey, Neil, I'm curious about your thoughts on somewhat combining creationism with the Big Bang. Although I am agnostic, I was raised Catholic, and I always wonder why no one seems to consider that a possible higher power is behind the Big Bang and consequently dark matter. So do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, from a scientific standpoint, you cannot speak to this because you're speaking about, you know, the fact of a creator or some higher power creating this. Oh, sure you can. If oh, you science, can. Oh, well, so let, let, let me be clear. Okay. This, um, <laughs> if there's a higher power okay. that did anything in the universe, okay. there's no reason why that should be beyond the ability of science to determine that. Oh, okay. 
All right. Interesting. So, so if you do science properly, you're not precluding any one explanation relative to another okay. if you're on the frontier of discovery. Right. Okay? So I'm not going to say there is no higher power there, and let me find something else. If the higher power is there and it manifests, the, uh, then my methods and tools find it, I'll be the first one to report it. Okay. Okay? Right. I'll be right there at the front of the, 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 the press conference. Okay? Right. So just to make that clear. The The... Uh, and let's back up. This is a deep question here. It is. Got more going on than she may even know. Okay. Okay. After Einstein advanced the general theory of relativity in 1916, right. it was, oh my gosh, the, uh, the universe, there's gravity and it shapes the universe in this way. And then in 1929, Hubble discovers that the universe is expanding. Right. You take general relativity and the data that the universe is expanding and... A clever physicist named George Lemaitre, okay. he was a Belgian physicist, looked at that and he said, wait a minute, if we're expanding and I have this new tool, theoretical tool to understand the whole universe, let's go back in time and ask, what would the universe have been yesterday compared with today? Right. It would have been smaller. Right. Let's go even smaller. Even smaller. Take it all the way back. So we go all the way back. We got to get down to a singular point. A singular point. Right. A beginning of things. Right. This person is a Belgian priest. Oh. An ordained priest. Mm, he must have drank some good beer. <laughs> Belgian beer. Mm -hmm. So people immediately said, oh my gosh, you have found proof of a biblical creation. Oh, really? They said this to him. And he, a Belgian priest, came all back in their face and said... No. What? Because the Bible says the universe was created in six days. The Bible says Earth was created before the sun. There's a lot going on in Genesis that is scientifically untenable. Right. But now you want to take just a little bit that said God created it and say, oh, therefore it proves the Bible when nothing else that follows it right. has any anchoring in observational science. Right. He was, he was, he was um, smart enough to know that this, when I say smart enough, he was sensible enough to know that this should not be invoked as evidence for God creating Genesis as described in, in, in the Jewish Bible, in, right. the, in the Old Testament. The Old Testament. So, because um, nothing else works there. Right. Okay, nothing. Nothing. Right. Okay, Earth is in the middle of things. Everything revolves around the Earth. Earth is flat. The, 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 so, so this goes on and on and on. So he knew enough about the Bible and about science to not make that connection. Gotcha. Okay. So now, so, so, by the way, higher power could be God or it could be some intelligent alien in its basement programming our universe for its own entertainment. That would be a higher power. Wow. If you think about it. Yes, that would be a higher power. Yes. That guy's really effed up, man. <laughs> so, if, it's in, if that's the guy, if that, hey, look, hey, dude, if you're in your basement right now. In your parents' basement. Your parents' basement. The alien version. You, did, you little pimply face alien bitch, you. <laughs> this is effed up what you just did. <laughs> then I wonder if we are a simulation right. programmed by a higher power. Um, Maybe they get bored every now and then, and they throw something to just mess with, throw in something right. in the mix. A little glitch in the matrix. A little glitch in the right. matrix. Right. You know, they throw down uh, 
uh, a disruptive politician or right. world war. Right. Or that would explain so much. Right. <laughs> what? <laughs> completely explain it. Oh God. Everything's going crazy. along just fine and yeah. tranquil, and they say, "Nope." Yeah. You're not entertaining me anymore. Lodite, Lodite, watch this. Look at what I do right here. (laughs) How many times have I told you to stop screwing with those people? (laughs) Um, So, so, but a broader reference to that question is, uh, we don't know what happened before the Big Bang, and we also don't know what dark matter is, nor dark energy. Right. If you, and I've said this before, and listen to my words very carefully. Mm Mm-hmm. If you want, if your understanding of God right. flows through places where science has yet to tread, right? Because these are frontiers, right? Before the Big Bang, mm-hmm. or, if that's your concept of God, right? Then the history of this exercise shows us that God would then be an ever receding pocket of scientific ignorance. Well, of course. I mean, that only makes sense because you're saying all these other things are provable and knowable. And so we know... And these other things at one time in the past they were, were not mysterious, they were correct. Mysterious. So now that we know these are provable and knowable and why they happen, they are, they, uh, these phenomenon are, or phenomena are actually um, explainable, right? Then like your plural phenomenon. Very good. That, your plural phenomenon. Yes. Phenomena, very good. Do you like, the, the, you like that I actually corrected myself yeah, there? Very good. Yes, I'm, I'm, thank I'm you. checking you out here. Uh, that's cool. Huh? So, uh, and then you say, well, but what I don't know here, I just think that this is God doing this. Philosophers call it the God of the gaps. The God of the gaps. Right. So, in other words, so just watch, where, just, wherever your understanding fails you, you fill it in with God. Fill it in with God. Okay. And, and by the way, this is a this is a this is a long tradition to do so. Okay. Isaac Newton did it. Oh, really? Isaac Newton wrote down his equation of gravity, and it described Earth and the Moon, right. and the Sun and the Earth, right. and Jupiter and its moons. We would later learn it. So this is all. So, but. How do you then describe the whole solar system all happening all at once? Right. Everything tugging on everybody in all directions at all different... And he tried to calculate this. Right. And the solar system was unstable and planets would fly apart. Right. Because every time you came around the back stretch, Mars would tug on you a little bit. Right. Come around the next time, Mars would tug on you a little more. Before you know it, you're, you're out. You're out. You're out the door. Yeah, we out. Right. Okay? You and the Kuiper belt going, it's cold. <laughs> That's right. So you God, it's cold. So, <laughs> so he said, well... Um, clearly I know my equations work right. with the one-on-one situation. With the whole system, maybe God steps in every now and then just to fix it. And, and corrects things. Yeah, and corrects things. Right. He says this right. in, in his, his 18th in his 17th century lingo. Okay. He says just that. Okay. And so that's basically God of the Gaps. Next up, comedic co-host Godfrey returns to pitch me your cosmic queries about cosmic phenomena. All right. I have another question. Uh, cosmic phenomena, bring it on. This is by William Morris, Facebook. Okay. What's a hen weigh? <laughs> About two to three pounds. Next. <laughs> you can't, you can't. Who are you, what do you think I was born yesterday? <laughs> What's a hen weigh? I just wanted to see that. What's a hen weigh? <laughs> so there's no science behind that, huh? <laughs> That's it. Next. That's it. What's no, so a we should, So we should call the first warp drive a henway. So that wherever they land, they say, we got to fix the Henway. We got to fix the Henway. What's a Henway? Oh, that's <laughs> you can run that joke no, that's clear nice. across the galaxy. That was awesome. What a jackass. Well, this is in, I'm old enough to remember uh, F Troop. F Troop, that's Larry Storch. Larry Storch. And 
uh, what was it? It was like the the cavalry, right, and the Indians, right, right. in the in the, the in the Wild West, and the, <laughs> the name of the tribe were the <laughs> Hakawi Indians. The Hakawi, the Hakawi, and I think in the first episode. <laughs> You remember the first episode of F Troop. Damn. So I think... <laughs> Am I remember? I think I'm remembering this correctly. In the first episode, huh? the, the cavalry meets this tribe. And they say, who are you guys? And the, the Indians say, where the heck are we? <laughs> That's hilarious. The Indians say that. They say, no, they didn't know where they are because they, they got lost. The Indians did. And it got lost. They say, where the heck are we? (laughs) And they say, oh, you're the heck are... No, who are you? Where the heck are we? We're the heck are we Indians. I think that's how that happened in the very first episode. The heck are we Indians. Yes. I just caught that again. I'm telling you, I'm eight years away. (laughs) The heck are we Indians? Took you a full 12 seconds. (laughs) I was like, the heck are we? Because the way you said it. Because that's how they said it all the rest of the episodes. But it's F-Troop. It was a sitcom. (laughs) Okay. It's a sitcom, man. So that's good. What's the Henway? You knocked that out. Yeah, so I'm going to call... If I invent a warp drive, it's the Henway warp drive. Henway warp drive. I like that. Ah! Is that how they sound? (laughs) Wait, how do hens... Yeah? Hens? Hens are the... Uh, You know, I don't... That sounds better. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. Ray Clark, Facebook. Okay. If the moon were to somehow be blown apart, mm-hmm. would Earth end up with a set of Saturn-like rings? Yes. If not, what would happen? Yes. 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 Temporarily, we would have rings ring system. An awesome. An awesome. Yes, using awesome the way God intended awesome to be used. Oh, yeah. Not. It would be awesome if you could pass the salt. No, no. In my day, we used awesome when we discovered the cure to polio. Mm. We used awesome when we walked on the freaking moon. Do you believe that? I don't know. We were talking about that. Do you believe that they landed? I just want to know. You're asking the wrong. <laughs> just, man, I'm just saying, man. The astronaut should have been black because we would have been more excited. <laughs> Upon landing? You know, he was, yes. They said, oh, Houston, we have just landed on I'm the like, moon. Like, yeah, baby. Yeah. That's how we do, baby. Forget the cosmonauts. We did it first, baby. Uh. I'd be like this. Uh. No? That's one small step for a man. Come on. <laughs> land on the moon, you go. One small step for man, one giant step for man. It's like oh, it's like it's like when they. The white, no, you know what it is? It's like I'm, when the white dudes score a touchdown, they just give the ball to the ref. When we score, we're like shake something. Yeah, you shake something. <laughs> now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I yes. think the emotions yes. that would come about. Yes. Among people who would rejoice in having just landed on the moon. Yes. Are incommensurate with how you might react in the face of disaster if you face that on your journey. If the oxygen tank blows, holy shit, what am I going to do? Oh, my God. Okay? That's the same person who lands on the moon. Oh, my gosh, I landed on the moon. So you need some, you need people with ice in their veins. Yeah. And Uh, Neil Armstrong was just such a person. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. I I guess, but I I just. He's He's landed on the moon and he's running out of fuel? Okay, you know about that. I don't know if you knew about this. We're running out of fuel. Okay, he was because where they were going to land. Right. He's 
there was like rocky and it was not smooth and he was worried that the 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 lunar excursion module would tip. Yeah. So he starts going sideways. Okay. Using very little fuel that's left. And so Houston is saying, you got to land that puppy. Let, no, yeah. no, I'm good. It's still looking. And he's monitoring how much it is. Yeah. You know what his heartbeat was when it was like 85 or something? I mean, it was some low heartbeat okay. that any of us get just when we're irritated that we're waiting in line or something. Yeah. So, no, these were a very special set of the right stuff. Okay. It was truly the how right stuff. How long did it take to get there? Three days. It was three days? Yeah, three days. In the, in the ship? Yeah, well, how else? Drinking tang. <laughs> I'm just saying, drinking tang and sitting there. Three days. Yeah, three days. Three days. Okay, okay. all right. I'm, I'm glad saying. you explained it to me because I was doubting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, oh. Well, you asked me if I right believe it. I don't, one doesn't need to believe when confronted with evidence. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age, or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. True or false? Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We sent out a survey to our fans, as we do every season, and you got back to us with your favorite episodes, guests, and co-hosts. On this next episode of Cosmic Queries, Bill Nye the Science Guy takes the driver's seat alongside comedic co-host Chuck Nice. And together they tackle your questions about planetary defense. We're talking about planetary defense. Yes. Keeping the Earth from getting hit 
with the cosmic impactor. A fascinating subject. It really is, and it's important. And important. It's near and dear to us at the Planetary Society, the world's largest non-governmental space interest organization, of which I'm the CEO, <laughs> because this is our old mission. Carl Sagan, when I was in his class mm -hmm. in the disco era, would talk about the Tunguska event, mm -hmm. where 19, oh, June 30th in the modern calendar, uh, 1908, Tunguska region of Siberia was hit with something. It blew down all the trees in a moment. And if that had happened in a big city, that would be the end of the big city. Yeah. Be it. And so since then, uh, long after Carl Sagan's class, uh, Chelyabinsk, also in Russia, got with a big sparky thing. Mm -hmm. And a much smaller event, but nevertheless recorded on countless cameras. And so it's something to think about. Don't want to get hit with an asteroid. Yeah, you don't. With that said, Chuck, and, and judging welcome from, back to the show, thank listener. You, sir. And, and those two events make me think that maybe Russia should be a little more involved in this. The thing to keep in mind about Russia, uh, first of all, let's say we take the Earth and divide it in half by hemispheres. Mm -hmm. It's going to hit one hemisphere or the other. <laughs> okay. It's one and two. Then Russia takes up nine time zones. Yes. It's a third of the... It's more than a third of the world. Right. So, or that former Soviet Union. So, if it's going to hit someplace, it's likely it's to hit. Likely there. to hit there. Yeah. yeah. There or the Pacific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, about that's it. True fact, not a false yeah, there fact. There you go. All right. I say true fact. That's a joke, everybody. Ha ha. <laughs> Let's go to Anna. Ba Anna. Anna Bacon. Uh, the Doomsday shows uh, shows, but about asteroids. Let me just start this. Yeah, just All do it without the. The, yeah. the breaks between every, every word that I slow talkers uh, of America. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So Anna Bacon says this, the doomsday shows about asteroids always have it hitting the planet, but what would happen if the asteroid passed between the earth or the moon or if it hit the moon instead of the earth? Well, we've, we've photographed asteroids hitting the moon. Aha. Uh -huh. yeah, I mean, small ones. Asteroids are manageable ones. Yeah. And asteroids have passed closer to the Earth in the moon's orbit. That's happened. Right. 2012, I believe, is the last one. Mm -hmm. So if you like to worry about things, this is, a great, this is great for you. Right. <laughs> so, so far, the ones that have passed that close have been relatively small. So now this is a – let's take a, like, extinction-level size uh, object, all right? Listen to your fluency. Oh, extinction-level size. How big is extinction level size? <laughs> let's 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 go with something like Apophis. All right, Apophis, which and is the Greek named for the Greek god of anxiety, <laughs> which is perfect, yeah. uh, and uh, hits the keyhole, barrels towards Earth, instead plows into the moon. Uh, I guess it would be troublesome moon-wise. But I don't think what, would, would that do anything to us? I don't think so. I'm sure. I am sure people have run this computer model. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I don't know it. So I imagine it would just disturb the orbit of the moon. Okay. Uh, rather than it's almost certainly would not be catastrophic life ending on the moon because the moon seems <laughs> to be lifeless. But that's a great question. And I'm sure people have run that test. And then would it deflect? You know, the moon is slowly spiraling away from us. Yes. Could it be hit hard enough to start slowly spiraling toward us? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. Like a pool table. That'd be 
Not awesome. What am I talking about? That'd be the end of all of us. Well, not right away. You'd probably have several millennia to yeah. give it some thought. And you know what? And you'd have some really beautiful nights in the meantime. Yeah, and then I just shudder to think of all the babies that would, I just can't even, Yeah. it'd just be, it would be wild. <laughs> all right. All right, here we go. This is Ian Coleman, and Ian says this. Hey, Bill. Huge fan here. I was wondering about the possibility of NASA's controversial EM drive being something that could actually work. Apparently, leaks have confirmed that this is the least moving. It's at least moving along well. And um, they're even saying that it may work. Could we use this in planetary defense? Uh, I don't know what an EM drive is. Electromagnetic? What's that? No, it's... um... Now, there's ion drives. And there's this nuclear weapon idea where so you explode a nuclear weapon behind your spacecraft every few seconds for mm-hmm. a while to get and get these pressure waves of particles that push you through space. But I don't know what he means by EM drive, if he means electromagnetic. No, I think it's supposed to be some kind of um, new rocket engine. It's well, a, that's why I mentioned the nuclear rocket. thing. Yeah. Uh, then the other one that we're all hot for is... Uh, solar electric propulsion, SEP, uh, solar electric module. So this is where you have something like xenon in a liquid form. Ooh. Put in a big scuba tank there on your spacecraft. Ah. Use solar power from from photovoltaic panels okay. to make electricity. Ionize, strip the electrons off the xenon, have a, a, a grid akin to a window screen and shoot the xenon out the back of the spacecraft really, really, really fast. And we do that. We have ion drives right now. Just everybody wants to build a big one, a really big one. (laughs) And it takes a lot of xenon, but the other thing, it takes a lot of electricity. And when you get things that big in space, it's just getting everything in alignment is tricky. But here's the idea. Mm -hmm. Although each atom of xenon or argon or whatever inert gas you're going to use or... uh, element you're going to use, although it is very low mass, each individual atom, they're going so fast, okay, 24-7 out the back of the spacecraft that you can go really, really fast. Much faster is generally presumed than you can with just a regular chemical rocket because it never stops. Right. Zzz, so it's 20, on all the time. Zzz, that's, that's actually zzz, cool. And we use ion drives, but we want to, people want to build a really big one. We'll close out this Time Capsule episode by remembering one of your favorite conversations of the season, according to the year-end survey. Astrophysicist and host of PBS Spacetime, Matt O'Dowd, stopped by the studio to help us discuss the intersection of innovation and policy. Check it out. I want to ask you a really a simple question, overly simplistic, but your answer, I think, who knows? Who knows what it could change? So. If you were given the right, the power to direct the entire flagship science program of an entire, let's say, administration, you know, the moonshot of a given administration, it's going to be billions of dollars worth, but you only get to choose one thing. What would it be? What do you mean choose one thing? Choose one destination? Choose, well, I'm not talking about necessarily traveling anywhere. It choose a thing a to get a nation to do. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so, first of all, um, this is a democracy. The people vote for things, mm-hmm. for people, and I value that. 
I guess we're also a republic in a way, but votes matter, okay? And as an educator, I will not presume that I have the right to take a country to a place that I think would be a fun place to take it without the full backing of everybody who votes. So my power that you just granted me <laughs> would not be to just steer the bus. It would be to walk up and down the aisles of the bus, teaching people the value of exploration, the value of knowledge, the value of moving a frontier beyond wherever it may have stagnated. Then I go back to the steering wheel and I say, where does everyone want to go? And then they all collectively say, space. They might say something else, and I'll respect that, but I want at least a shot at convincing them that space exploration is one of the greatest forces that can operate on our science literacy. Imagine knowing that your country is about to colonize Mars or, or lasso a comet that has fresh water, or to mine an asteroid, or deflect an asteroid that might be headed our way. And I need the best chemists and the best biologists. Maybe there's life on Mars that we'll discover. Mm. I need the best biologists. I need the best aerospace engineers, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, chem uh, I said chemists, geologists. All of the entire portfolio of STEM fields are represented in a space mission. So uh, that's that uh, in a space mission that's ambitious enough. So, uh, and we know that the engines of tomorrow's economy, the engines of tomorrow's growth economies, have as their center innovations in science, technology, sure. engineering, and math. So, in a democracy that is also a capitalist system, where nobody wants to die, nobody wants to die poor, space exploration is one of the one of the most potent ways to stimulate this kind of thinking in a country. So, so you can turn a, a sleepy country into an innovation nation by doing this. Mm, by, by having innovation and a dream in the right direction. A dream in the right direction that's hitting the headlines every day. Because if you're going to expand a frontier like this, you're going to have to innovate. You're going to have to invent. Patents will be awarded. All, th that entire frontier will be new. And that is what stimulates uh, discovery. So, that, it's, so, so I would say, so you want to give me the power, I would want the power I, I to convince actually, people that that might be a cool thing to do. Okay. And then you implement the, the policy. Gotcha. And so, so with space, is it, I mean, it's hard. It's, it's extremely hard to do. That's part of we why do it's so things inspiring. Not because they're hard. No, that, that messed it up. <laughs> because they're, because they're right, cool? Gotta, no, no, I got it. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. All right, no, that's good. Uh, uh, we, want, we choose to go to the moon, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. Okay. And I think I got the, that and right. It, and, okay. it, and it's the right thing to do. All right, so the policy is implemented. Do we go asteroid mining first? Do we build a colony on Mars first? Do we go back to the moon first? Venusian cloud cities, anyone? So I have a slightly different view of that. I want to call it a contrarian view, but it's definitely a different lane okay. that I'm driving in. It is, why think of destinations in order? 
why, why think of a destination as a goal? Why not let your goal be access to the entire solar system? Let that be the goal. Okay. And if that's the goal, then you build ships that have different combinations of boosters. You pull this one off this shelf, and that this combination gets you to Mars. This combination, you chase the asteroid. This other combination with this payload, this other combination with this payload gets you to the, to the backside of the moon. So it is, the goal is your capacity to explore, not the destination. And when you build the capacity, you then are, can be responsive to the creativity of everyone who's there. This is what, this is the difference between a computer that solves one problem and a computer that can solve any problem. Sure. Any problem you can think of. So, so, so don't come to me saying, do we go to the moon first or Mars first? Or you do it all. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio, and I've been your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Join us next time when we kick off a brand new season, season nine, with more science, comedy, and pop culture. That's all for now. And as always, I bid you to keep moving up. True or false? Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.